G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is entitled Living Steadfast and it focuses on 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, which says, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and that our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our Lord, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in 1949, there were four million Christians in China. In the decades leading up to that moment, missionaries had seen the church grow significantly. People like Hudson Taylor, who learned Chinese, dressed in Chinese style, and even translated the New Testament into several Chinese languages, loved the people and wanted them to know Jesus. The China Inland Mission, which Taylor began, was responsible for raising up 800 missionaries, starting 125 schools, establishing 300 mission outposts in all 18 provinces, resulting in 20,000 Christian conversions. Sadly, in 1949, Mao Zedong's Red Army defeated nationalist forces and the Communist Party took over. Mao led a cultural revolution, banning private property, bringing all industry under government control, and outlawing religion. Foreign missionaries were kicked out of the country, churches demolished, and hundreds of thousands of Christians were publicly tortured and sentenced to death. Many outside China assumed the church would die. Surprisingly, Mao's cultural revolution backfired. When the Iron Curtain began to lift in the 1980s, foreigners were amazed to find a vibrant underground church. The community was marked by simple, steadfast faith and trust in Jesus. Since then, Christianity has exploded, and some estimate that there are currently over 100 million Christians in China, almost four times more Christians than there are people in Australia. Today we're going to see that something similar happened in Thessalonica. 
while the Apostle Paul only had three weeks in the city before he had to run for his life, the church there survived and thrived even after he left. While persecution can kill a movement, more often than not, the gospel goes forward in spite of it. So let's look at this story of steadfast faith and think about what it means for us today. Chapter 3 verse 1 begins, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. What is he talking about? Well, he's continuing his train of thought from chapter 2 verse 14, where he recalls how the church began. In week one of this series, we saw how in Acts 17, Paul traveled to the to the, to Thessalonica and preached the gospel in the synagogue there over three Sabbaths. While many rejected his message that Jesus was the Messiah, some received it and put their faith in him. Now, prosperity preachers will tell you that when you become a Christian, God gives you health, wealth, and comfort. But the opposite happened in Thessalonica. Jealous men quickly started persecuting the church, and Paul, Silas, and Timothy escaped south to Berea, where they continued to preach the gospel and started another church there. When the thugs who'd persecuted Christians in Thessalonica heard that Paul was in Berea, they traveled there as well and stirred up crowds to attack him. So the church in Berea sent Paul onto Athens. While, Paul and Tim- while Silas and Timothy stayed there, building up their faith and establishing the church. A lot has happened. Paul's planted new churches since escaping Thessalonica, but he's never forgotten about the Thessalonians. He speaks of how he tried again and again to get back to his friends and support them, but Satan stopped him. Now in chapter 3, he speaks about his yearning for the Thessalonians. While he left Thessalonica to avoid being killed, he hasn't escaped persecution. Wherever he goes, there is opposition to his message, but at the same time, people are being saved. There was once a traveling Anglican preacher who complained, whenever the Apostle Paul traveled to a town, he started a riot. Whenever I travel to a town, they give me cups of tea and cake. Paul's message about Jesus is so radical that some violently reject it, while others receive it with joy. And it seems that after telling people about Jesus and how he came to die for our sins and rise for our redemption, he warned them that if they became Christians, they should expect persecution. Look at verse 4. When we were, persecu- when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. Basic training for Christians at the time was, Jesus is Lord, living for him cause you to love your enemies, so buckle up because they're about to beat you up for your faith. People, Paul loved the people he preached to, but he never sugarcoated the gospel. If Jesus was persecuted for his message, we shouldn't be surprised when we face resistance for doing what he did. This is why James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is why the symbol of Christianity isn't a feather bed, but a cross. As Christians, we shouldn't be looking to pick fights or seeking out persecution. But if our faith never causes any ripples, it's worth questioning whether we could do more to share it with others. 
So here is Paul in Athens, fervently praying. In verse 11, he says, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. He can't get to Thessalonica, probably because he'd be killed on sight. He's anxious that the pressure his mates are under might choke their faith. He's worried that the church he planted just months ago might die and the work he, his friends, not to mention the Thessalonians themselves, had put into establishing this church might have all been in vain. So what does he do? Well, he sends Timothy. Timothy was Paul's young apprentice. He had a lot of flaws. He was young in the faith and he struggled with self-confidence. Timothy didn't have the Bible knowledge nor the preaching power of Paul, and yet he could fly under the radar and travel around freely without causing a fuss. Paul writes in verse 2, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. Paul calls Timothy our brother and God's fellow worker, an incredible affirmation of this young missionary. Tim and Timothy's job is to encourage the Thessalonians in their faith. He's also there to help them see that their current trials aren't a sign that God doesn't love them. Instead, they were destined for these trials, and they are a part of God's plan. Friends, here again, we're reminded that the Christian life isn't a cakewalk. God wants to refine our faith and build us up. Sometimes this is a pleasant process, but it's often hard and painful. Either way, it's glorious because God uses our trials to grow us, to bless others, and to glorify his name. The other thing we need to see here is the power of delegating. I'm terrible at delegating. I think that trying to do everything myself is a sign of strength. It's not. Paul sees that while he can't get get to the Thessalonians, Timothy can, and so he delegates. When we call others to help us, or even raise others up to take our place, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, who was absolutely brilliant at delegating. At the peak of his ministry, Jesus delegates by sending out his 12 disciples, and then later a further 72. Jesus, our omnipotent God-man, the one who walked on water, fed 5,000 people, healed the sick and raised the dead, Jesus delegated. He found joy in working as a team. We can't do the Christian life alone. That's why God gives us a church family, people we can rely on and work alongside. So Paul sends Timothy from Athens to Thessalonica to check on the church there. He has a nervous wait because it's a dangerous journey to a hostile area and Paul relied heavily on his young mate. So it was hard to be without him for a while. They wait, they watch and they pray. And then Timothy comes back and gives his report. Look at verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Not only have the Thessalonians not given up their faith in God, but they still have affection for Paul, even after he'd run away. 
People may have said Paul was a coward for fleeing, leaving the Thessalonians to face the wrath of the community alone. The Thessalonians might have been tempted to forget about Paul and his message and just blend back into the community. But here comes Timothy back to Athens. He embraces Paul and says, They're living steadfast, mate. They haven't given up the ghost. Paul, who'd been worried sick, writes, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. Timothy went to Thessalonica to encourage them and build up their faith. But now he returns and Paul and Silas are encouraged. They're able to breathe freely and really live again, knowing that even though they're in different cities, suffering intense persecution, they're all standing firm in the Lord. Friends, here we need to see that how we suffer for the Lord can build us up, and it can also build others up. This is why turning up on Sunday, even when you've had a hard week and everything has gone against you, is such a powerful witness. It brings glory to God and it shows others that only Jesus can give us life to the full. And this brings us to the final three verses which form a beautiful prayer of steadfast faith. First, Paul asks God to make a way for them to be reunited. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Paul loves these people dearly. He's only spent three weeks with them, and the only thing they have in common is Jesus. And and yet that's why he loves them. Paul, the great evangelist, could have forgotten about this tiny church miles and miles away. And yet he's praying for them, hoping deeply that he might get to see them soon. Friends, let's yearn for our brothers and sisters like this. Let's recognize that the people in our church family are a gift from God. Sometimes you might get annoyed by the person who sings too loud, or the busybody who talks too much, or the person who never looks you in the eye. This is perfectly normal. But when we let the Holy Spirit captivate our hearts, when we draw deep with God in prayer, when we ask Jesus to help us to be more like him, we will grow in love and genuine affection for people. Next, Paul prays for overflowing love. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Now, this isn't sappy, sentimental love. It's deep compassion that is willing to suffer for the good of others. Paul prays that love within the church would overflow to people outside the church. While there are waves of persecution battering the church, Paul prays that God would send a tidal weight of of love from within this tough little community out into the people who want to destroy it. It's a hard prayer, but it's a good prayer. Finally, Paul prays that the Thessalonians might live for the end. He writes, May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now this might seem like a weird pivot in this chapter. Paul's been talking about Jesus Paul why is Paul talking about Jesus' future return when he's been focusing on present trials? Well it's because he's going to talk more about Jesus' return in the coming chapters and he Also, because a firm understanding of God's future glory can help us endure our present sufferings. 
In 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul writes, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Why were the Thessalonians so passionate about faith in Jesus when all it had brought them so far was rejection, hardship, and persecution? Why did they choose to be Christians when giving up their faith would have made their lives a whole lot easier in the short term? It's because they're not focused on the present or on the short term. They're living for the end and looking forward to the day when they will meet the Jesus Paul had told them about, along with all his holy ones. Holy ones here means Christians who have died in the faith, people who have been made holy by their faith in Jesus and who in their deaths had gone to be with him. In his prayer, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they won't suffer forever. Instead, one day soon, their Lord is coming back. The dead in Christ shall rise, and that all that is evil, sad, and painful about this world will be lost in the light of his glory and grace. Friends, let's pray that God would build us up in steadfast faith like the Thessalonians. Let's not be fair-weather Christians. Let's be a people who trust Jesus, whether life is good or bad. Let's keep lifting one another up in prayer, encouraging one another to establish ourselves in the love of Jesus, looking forward to his return. We rise together. Let's grow as a church built on steadfast faith, hope, and love. In Jesus' name, amen.